EFTM Tech Cars Lifestyle This is the EFTM Podcast with Trevor Long EFTM Great to be back, hello, welcome Great to be in your ear holes And I'm really glad that's catching on to you Who was it that emailed me the other day and said something about that? It might have been Rob uh, yes, great to be in your ear holes again uh, with the EFTM podcast, talking technology, talking everything. And as I said, uh, we, we will evolve slowly but surely uh, outside of technology here and there. I've got some uh, interviews planned that are uh, non-technology based, but uh, you know, got to got to do what you know best and do it fast. Get me back in the groove, and then um, and then there'll be a lot more to do and a lot of uh, cool things coming up. So thank you for downloading, thank you for listening, and thank you for making EFTM. Uh, Frankly, the number one uh, Australian tech podcast on iTunes once again after uh, a bunch of time uh, in the in the in the other charts, in other categories. We're back in technology, and uh, while there's some cracking great podcasts from very big organisations like CNN or whatever, um, EFTM is an Aussie podcast for Australians, and uh, it's great to see so many people downloading. I appreciate it. So make sure you tell your bloody friends. I mean, what's the point of me doing this if we can't get more people listening? Um, so tell your friends, it, it, it'd be great to have more people come on board and get more and more calls and emails. And I have to say, to be honest, overwhelmed with emails. Um, it's probably going to take me three or four weeks to get through just the ones I got last week. But I am also a little bit picky too. I like to, just like we do in talk radio, I don't want to break it to you. There's a whole position, which I held for many years, called call vetting. You, you, you vet the calls. You decide who gets through. Unfortunately, I've got to do that sometimes, some weeks. And also, some people just don't answer their phone. Uh, so, unfortunately, I can't get to everyone, but I'll do my best. We've got a stack of calls. We're going to try and get through a whole bunch of calls uh, this week, as well as I have two special guests. Um, which order should I bring them to you in? Firstly, Ed Husick, who's the federal member for Chifley. Now, back many years ago... Ed and I had many a conversation uh, about all things technology because he's a nerd. He loves his technology. Um, was at the forefront of getting Apple Pay uh, pushed into the banks. Uh, obviously, was the opposition member or, or um, minister, I think they call them, the opposition minister for communications for a while there. So a lot of conversations about the NBN under, under the Liberal government as well. Um, and while we, in some ways, oppose each other's views, I bloody like him. I really do. I think he is the right kind of politician. He he represents his constituents and he represents his belief and I, I really enjoy talking to him. So it will be good to chat to Ed and uh, I don't doubt it will be, not be the, 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 the last time we'll talk again as well. And I want to talk to Rosen Kogan who uh, it has had an absolute amazing ride over many years but I want to talk about online sales in the COVID-19 era and how uh, Kogan has coped, grown and uh, just what it means for the industry. So we'll do those things very, very shortly, plus all those calls I mentioned. Quick shout-out, though, to all the people who went to the trouble of leaving a review. Um, S. Yarum liked the new, or should I say old, format. Uh, five stars, very nice. Enjoy the enjoy listening to Trev talk about any topic and the energy he sends uh, through when he talks. That's very nice of you. Thank you very much. Uh, you can leave these reviews on iTunes. It'd be greatly appreciated because the more reviews, the kind of the more credible your podcast is in the sense of uh, you know, other people discovering podcasts and just generally, it's nice. It gives me a buzz. Um, Sarad1 says, fantastic, uh, very informative, great knowledge on tech and cars. I've been listening to EFTM for two years, uh, maybe, and loving season three, which is what I'm calling the reboot, <laughs> essentially. 
Uh, keep up the great work, Trev. Thank you. Um, v Steve says, was it your tech life listener? Um, can, uh, well, I'm going to answer that as a big fat no. Uh, Steve, no, we're not going back to what we were. This is the format going forward. Uh, Jingesh, uh, they still gave five stars, I think. Jingesh says, great podcast and also great on 6PR every Tuesday. Thank you, mate. And uh, appreciate the uh, the title of the review was Mate's Advice. Uh, Dick Fishing says, love the show. Always entertaining, full of great content. Loving the caller experience. Very clever idea. Well done. Thank you. Well, it's not new to me or our long-term listeners, but uh, you're right. Not a lot of people doing it, weirdly. Um, J-Rock says, best tech podcast on earth. You rock, J-Rock. Uh, pure, unadulterated Trevor Long at his finest. Back to his roots and loving it. Keep the new episodes coming. Thank you. Means a lot. Uh, PRT at large from his from this tech life to EFTM and back to this tech life. What's your tech life? But that's okay. One of my go-to podcasts for the eight past eight years. Good on you, mate. I appreciate that. And finally, Gary Shaw says, great to have you back. I listened to your tech life all over the world, but lost interest in the bloke fest that was EFTM. Oh, sorry about that, Gary. Uh, now you're back to what you do best. I'll be listening every week now as I run along the beach in Portugal. Oh, Gary, just rubbing it in that you can run. Uh, and that you're in Portugal, obviously, on a beach. Uh, congratulations. Uh, thank you for your reviews and, and ratings. Very nice of you. If you want the latest in technology and a wrap-up of all the tech news, get in touch and listen via Two Blokes Talking Tech, my other podcast with my great mate Stephen Fennick. Uh, but stay here for an education. The point of this is it's like turning on the radio and uh, and hearing talkback. It's, it's kind of interesting to see what other people think or the problems they're having in this sense. And hopefully, by educating and helping other people, I'm educating and helping you, and you can do the same for other people. So it's kind of a nice uh, bunch of circles we go around in. So thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Let's get cracking with calls. Ed Husick. And Ruslan Kogan. EFTM. You're listening to the EFTM podcast. EFTM. Got a question? Happy to help. Just go to the website, EFTM.com. G'day, Michelle. Hi, Trevor. How are you? Really well. How can I help you? I, um, my parents are elderly mm. and they're not really into the internet or getting on stuff. And it's really hard because I live in Melbourne, they live in Sydney. Right. And I really want to keep in touch with them and for them to see my children. I've got three kids. Yep. Um, so I'm struggling to get them on. And I did see something that you had, I think, with your mum. I think yep. you've got something with her. Yep. Yes, I just need some advice on how to yeah, keep in contact with them during is, these times. Is there, with them else, to see. is there anyone else in Sydney, like family-wise, with, with them around Yes, them? there is. Yes, there is. Of your demographic slash age slash technical yes, ability. yes, yes. <laughs> so, so the the device that I gave my mum. So my mum has a flip phone, not a smartphone, but right. she does have a tablet. And we did. I've given her a tablet. She can get on Facebook. She can have some fun. She does a Sudoku on the tablet. But yeah, no, no other really investment in technology in her life. So, yeah. she, to be clear, she has a Facebook account. So your yeah. parents, your parents obviously don't, right? No, no way. They don't even want to touch Facebook. <laughs> so what I would do is I would create a Facebook account in their name. Right. Okay. And I would, <laughs> I would then buy the Facebook portal. That's the device Facebook. I've set up at my mum's place. There's different levels of it. There's a little yeah. tiny one. There's a slightly bigger one. There's one you put on your TV. Just get the basic one. It's, it's a little yeah. screen like a Google Home screen. Um, yep. And then, you know, get that shipped to that family member in Sydney who is tech savvy. Now, yep. they need to be on board with the whole secret plan here about Facebook. Yeah. 
But basically, that thing is epic. You plug it in. Now, oh, hang on. Yeah. Have they got internet at home at all? No. Okay. We've got a problem. Got a problem. But I could connect them secretly and they, they wouldn't know. And I'll just pay for it. Again. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't. So you don't need dramatically fast internet, especially if this is the only thing going to be on it. You could do on the very basic NBN plan, you can get away with this. But, you know, and you know what? For, for the cost of 50, 60 bucks a month, plus this device, yeah. I know it sounds ridiculous to people, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a parent. I, I want my kids to see their grand, grand, grandmother. So I would, right. I'd happily pay 60 bucks a month to, to have my mum connected. So, that is, so that's what I'm saying here. You've got that fundamental issue where you need to have them leave the house so a technician can come and install the internet um, <laughs> yeah. and give them Wi-Fi. Um, yep. Once you have the internet and Wi-Fi, the Facebook portal sits on a bench. Give me the kitchen bench. Give me the lounge room. Give me next to the TV, and then yep. they don't ever have to call you. They don't ever have to touch it until it rings, and it just right. it rings like a phone. And you, oh, you don't need one at your end because you've got the internet. You've got computers. You've got tablets. You've got phones, as does everyone else in their family. And yeah. all you need to do is friend enough people yep. on their account. So that's why I'm saying you create the account. Add the, yep. a, any other kids or brothers and sisters that they've got and all that kind of stuff. Because that's what I did yep. with my mum was not just add her kids, but I added, yeah. I added her, her grandkids who are now teenagers and got Facebook accounts. I added her yep. brother, her bro, her sister-in-law and different people so that she's got more than just me to call. Um, yeah. And, and then it just it just rings. It's a screen. It rings. They've got to touch the screen to answer it. Big green button. Yeah. You know, it won't yeah. take them oh. long to work that out. But then they can just go and sit back on the <laughs> yeah. lounge. You don't know my parents. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, they can go and sit back on the lounge and, and have the conversation. They don't need to sit there staring at it. But, you know, you could put it in front of a chair if you wanted to. Put it on a side yep. table. But it, yep. it is, you know, you might be looking up their nostrils at some point in the phone, in the, in the call or whatever, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. The, as, long as, you, as long as you're holding the phone up so they can see their grandkids. That's, uh, that's the, that, that was the main reason. You, why know what I... they'll, you know what they'll do? They'll ring up. And say, hey, Michelle, can you do that video thing again? Yep. And they'll want it. Um, yes, you know, exactly. No one can deny the the need for that connection with those little smiling faces. Um, That's right. And if you and your whether you've got siblings or whatever can can chip in to make that happen, so they've got internet there, plus they've got the the Facebook portal. Um, yep. Then job done. You just need a. You need internet. B, you need yep. someone to set that up because it needs Wi-Fi. You need to connect it. You need to log into the Facebook account. That person setting it up will also need to have that Facebook account, like, details because it comes up with like, right. a code you've got to verify, so they've got to log on in on a computer and stuff. So, yep. you know, it's a 15, 20-minute process, but once it's done, bingo. Awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm so happy. Well, enjoy. I, I hope oh. you get it working because it's a really, really cool device. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Good thank on you, you so much. Thanks for getting thank in you. touch. Thank you. Thanks, Trevor. And any questions you've got, just go to the website, EFTM.com. I'm happy to help. EFTM. You're listening to the EFTM podcast. EFTM. Get in touch. Any question you've got, happy to help. Uh, EFTM.com is the place to go. G'day, Tony. Hi, hey, Trev. Yeah, I've got this um, Samsung LED HDR. You know, it's, well, it was top of the range when I bought it a few years ago. How long ago? Oh, it'd be probably half a dozen years, okay. maybe a bit longer. Yep. But there's been no problem with the picture or anything like that. But just lately, when you're watching Netflix with a movie, if it's sort of over the 20 mark, the noise really vibrates. Really? But Yeah, it's just a vibrating sound. And you try and reduce the sound, and it's still 
well, you still hear it. Like we watch the movie, like we're watching the fall at the moment. And even when they play their, their background music, even at 15, 16, it's just just a vibrating, right. constantly vibrating. And look, it may something may be dislodged there. It could be it could be as simple as that. But I mean, in the end, it's a six odd year old TV. Have you got a second yeah, room? That, if, can can six, you can yeah. you downgrade that one to another room and, and maybe invest in something new? Yeah, I want to. I I really want to get one of those Olegs. You know, are they are they good? Or I think I don't think you're talking about much on the with Simon. You, it's mainly the LEGs and the mate. Are you so LGs, first and I mean, foremost? What's your budget? Oh, it doesn't. Well, it doesn't matter. I wanted something decent. That's why when I got this one, I got it when it was sort of top of the range, you know, yep. when it first came out. Yeah, yeah. And, and what sort of size are you looking at? Well, at this moment, this is 55, but we got a, it's on a cabinet at the moment, you know, like in the lounge, like a TV, well, like a big cabinet, but either side of it's got some grandkids' photos and some water, you know, things like that. But, I mean, if it covers it, it covers it, and some pot plants, but I can go a bit longer, you know, 65. Only sixty-five, mate. Jeez, come on, well, mate. I don't let's know. talk seventy-five. <laughs> so let, let's let's pick a number like four grand, right now. Yeah, say for four, four. Yeah, for four grand, you yeah. can get a beautiful twenty twenty model OLED from LG. Yeah. Okay, brand yeah. new, brand new. The 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 bee's knees. Um, there are models above it. Let's be clear. There are much more expensive, but that's just. Yeah. I think that's almost crazy. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, look. The the CX model that I reviewed is down to four thousand four hundred ninety five. It's a sixty five inch. Um, yep. You know the extra four hundred ninety five dollars if you're going to keep it for five or six years is probably worth it. So let's just say between four and four and a half, there are yep. some stunning sixty five inch OLED TVs. You will not be unhappy with them, right? But yep. I think just for just just for a little bit of clarity on what that would mean, you could get a Samsung. 82 inch TV for 4,200. You could get a, um, I'm pretty sure there's a high sense 85 inch for about three grand. Yeah, um, yeah. So if you wanted to go big, it's absolutely possible. LG have an 86 inch for four grand, but they're not OLED. Now, yeah. if you, did you, you mentioned a movie already. Do you watch a lot of movies? Nah, not really, because time I, like, I'm a lawnmower contractor, so time I get home, it's sort of like tea time, and then, Wife watches watches her um, reality crap on the, on that big one, and I go down to the other lounge and watch just like Law and Order and just things like that, the RBTs and all that kind yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and where's this one going to go on her TV or yours? <laughs> no, it'll go up the front lounge. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. But it's mainly like on the weekends, like on a Friday night or on a on the it's normally at night, you know, on a Saturday afternoon or or a Sunday, you know, some of like that. We'll watch we'll watch some Netflix, you know. I mean, it's a lot of. I'm just. I, I'm personally a go big, go home kind of guy, and I have yeah. just installed a Hisense 85 inch TV at home, and I'm. I'm telling you, mate, it's the best thing. You have people around, and they go, "Holy hell, the size <laughs> of this thing!" Um. So my 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 torn moment here is that for four grand, yeah. you can get an 86 inch LG TV, and I don't yeah. think you'd be disappointed in it. I don't, I really don't. But if you absolutely want the best picture quality available in a television, then yep. that same four grand will get you an excellent 65-inch LG OLED TV. Yeah, I was, I was looking at the OLEDs, and I because I went into JB's, and 
couple of weeks ago and I was looking around and that, it's really a nice quality picture on it's the, the, it's, on it's, the it's the blacks early. so what you notice is that is the black on the screen is pure black and then the, yeah. the, there's no graying into the color it's it's just it's exceptional quality and the other thing I'd say to you is is I would I, I don't know whether you can but wall mounting changed the world when it comes to that that entertainment unit sitting on if you can mount it on the wall behind there freeze up that entertainment unit for either soundbar or a bunch more pictures of the grandkids yeah, yeah, it's an internal wall, so I, I don't know if it'd be all right up there. No reason it? why not. No, oh, absolutely, yeah. mate. Just uh, just call an, a TV installer, and and they'll get. Is it as long as it's not metal frame? No, it's not metal frame. No, no. Yeah, you won't have a problem then. Yeah, mate, right. happy shopping. Lucky you. Yeah, cheers. So the OLED is a good TV, though. Great right? TV. Oh, I might. Yeah. I don't own one. I'd love to. Let me put it to you that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I was sort of keen on. Because yeah. my son, he's got the Hisense when they first come out. He bought the Hisense and, like, it's good TV, but I didn't think it was as good as, like, well, personally, I didn't think it was. I thought it was um, a one down from the Samsung. That sure. was all. Well, it, it may have been back then. That was a while ago. But, but yeah. mate, trust me, you won't be disappointed with the OLED. You'll love it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll, I'll go and see um, JB fellas and. Drive a deal. Drive a bargain, Tony. Good on you, mate. I'll let Cheers you get back calling. on the tools, I'll mate. I'll hear you when you come back on the Simon Show. Thanks, buddy. See ya. Cheers, Tom. Thanks for getting in touch. And uh, and you can get in touch as well. Just go to the website, eftm.com. Tony, a listener from Perth who hears me on 6PR with uh, Simon Beaumont uh, Tuesday afternoons at uh, 2 o'clock. EFTM. You're listening to the EFTM Podcast. Thank you for listening, and uh, great to have your company, as always, inundated with emails this week. I'm trying to try to get to as many uh, callers as I can over the course of the show, doing my best, but frankly, more than I expected. So uh, we'll, we'll keep rolling them out as we go along. But more importantly, I wanted to catch up with someone who oh, I think I last spoke to, it's got to be three, four, possibly five years ago, um, and we've we've had a lot of communi- uh, communications about different things, but all tech-related, because Ed... Husick, the federal member for Chifley, is a nerd. I think deep down, Ed, you're a nerd. Is that correct? I embrace my inner nerd, yes. Okay, good. You're also the deputy chair of the Parliamentary Committee, Committee on Communications and the Arts. Forget the arts. I'm not interested. Communications, very interested. Um, we've discussed a lot of things over the years. We'll get to a couple of them, NBN and the like. But do you remember how hard, essentially, you fought for Apple Pay to be introduced to the banks? Do you remember that time? It was a while ago. Well, it was there was a lot of there were a lot of things that I was pushing early uh, in my parliamentary uh, career. I, I'm I, I think now for the bulk of my time in parliament, I've always had something where I've been agitating, speaking up, pushing on tech. Um, I think when you and I first spoke, it might have been about price differentials on hardware and yep. software. The Adobe, um, the uh, the Australian yep. tax stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Which I I pushed because I felt like at that time. Yeah, we're trying to get people to use tech more um, for a whole range of reasons, not just in terms of from a personal perspective, but to get business on board so they work smarter, more efficiently. We don't need those differentials. And um, there was no good reason for it. So, yeah, I've been pushing on that, on Apple Pay, particularly because, again, it was a new way of getting things done, a smarter way of getting things done. And fast forward to now when people are talking about contactless, and I know... But since I raised that, Westpac finally got on oh, board yeah. this year, you know, only and it only took late. a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, it only took a pandemic to make it happen, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I just think, the, the, and I've said elsewhere, I just think this cringe we've got on tech 
uh, in this country in some parts, not all, because I think there's some really smart, sharp people working in this space that need to be celebrated a lot more and given a pat on the back. But we do need to shake that off. And I, if I'm going to use my time in Parliament on some on things that I want to be remembered for. This is one of them. Yeah. And how do you find, I guess, the process these days? Is it? I mean, you've been at the game for a long time now. Does it frustrate you still, or does the frustration of process now become the normal, and, and you kind of understand it and just push through as best you can? Well, I'm by nature a really impatient person, so I just. Um, I think you know you've got to hold, you've got to work with what you the cards you've been dealt with, and so I don't know if I'll ever get over uh, that sort of irritation at seeing processes that just are there for the sake of themselves rather than you know a legitimate reason. There are a lot of reasons why you've got to have you've got to walk through things in a particular way because there are risks. You've got to manage it and think it through, and I get all that. But in a parliamentary sense, uh, it is frustrating, and I still. Yeah, I think that the same, you know, I've seen a repeat of the attitudes and the way things get done uh, in Canberra, particularly around tech, Mm. that, you know, you're constantly, you need to have agitators. You need to have people to make life uncomfortable for decision makers because if you don't, then they'll just slump back into the ordinary ways of doing business. And I think that's bad from an Australian tech perspective where we've got a lot of people in smaller companies or yeah, rising stars or small and medium enterprises who can do just as good a job and they're being overlooked because the old no one ever made a bad call picking IBM mentality um, that existed in generations past is now sort of morphed in new ways and we're still seeing and looking overseas to get things done rather than back in our own talent. Can I just say, uh, as an average Aussie observing the Australian politics scenes, probably is a little bit more than, than, than the complete average, but... I I just wanted to say shout out to to everyone in Canberra for the last two and a half months. I, I think that mm. the essentially bipartisan approach, if not just broadly quiet approach, that's been taken to yeah. the COVID crisis is an absolute credit to every single member of both houses, and it kind of I think it united Australia behind the things we needed to do, and and that's why we got to where we are today. And I'm okay with it starting to get a little bit political right now. Like you can kind of see it. You know, you can see the commentary that's happening on different things. That's good. It all needs to be questioned. If you were sitting on the other side, if you were in government, because it's kind of the, the whole point of opposition is to talk about what you would do, what would you be doing specifically now about the tech world? You know, you've t- in the, over the years, you've talked about startups. You've talked about different things. What should we be doing to, you know, essentially become more reliant on Australia as Australians, do you think? Okay, so uh, before I go into that, and I've got a stack of ideas in that space, um, uh, I just want to reflect on the point you you started with in terms of people working together. I think, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, thank you, uh, just in terms of extending that that credit to parliamentarians, I think there is, I think the public do want to see at times where uh, particularly, you know, we've got a pandemic. This is a genuine national crisis. You expect people to work together. Uh, I think that should absolutely be the case. Um, it has been um, remarkable about how the unremarkable has been capturing attention. That is, we've seen a lot of comment now about trying to bring people who normally blue um, together around the table to sort things out. Yep. But that that stuff should happen much more regularly. Yeah, you know? uh, Politics is a contest of ideas, I get that too, but sometimes we just have blues. But I you know, wonder what, why, why are we, we doing this? So... 
I think it is important. To have I think that sometimes more they happen just because the other person's getting more media monitors than the other. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> no, again, I mean, I just think that you know, one side, whether it's yours or the other, just need to say something because not then the others are being heard. So, yeah, I think we can all learn from that. And I think that's the best thing that can happen is everyone looks back on that and, and learns that we actually got a bit of credibility from the public over that over that moment. I think. Yeah, uh, but on that point, I mean, you've raised a really good point there in terms of people wanting to get out and make a noise. There is so much, again, what I've learned, there is so much space to travel on. Yeah. Um, there are so many issues that we can deal with. And in my own way, and you asked me earlier about the way that I'll go about issues, particularly in terms of tech, you know, I often find I'll ignore the internal process. This is a really dangerous submission for me. <laughs> I'll ignore my own internal process and go out and strike a note on an issue I feel strongly about yep. to get things moving. And sometimes, like, I'll find I'll raise issues and people are like, eh, you know, future of work. You know, when I took that portfolio on in October yeah. 2016, people shrugged and went, yeah, okay, knock yourself out. Um, but I kept hammering away at it. And what I find is once you start working with other people, it's not all me. It's, you have to work with a lot of people to make that happen. Yeah. Once that happens, then it becomes an issue. And that's the way that you can work. And there's heaps of room to do that on so many issues. So people should just get in there and on it. And on tech, I think... I just think given what coronavirus did, not just in terms of people's physical health, but the economic health of the country, yeah. I'm a firm believer that if we apply smart people using technology to solve problems, you know, this is the perfect space for the tech community to be in. Because I think where we're at, if you think where we're at now, you know, we're a lot more cautious. Everything is happening slower. There's a lot more, as people say in the tech community, friction out there where things just aren't working the way they should. You know, if there's a way that we can, and that particularly in terms of startups and smaller, smaller and um, medium enterprises, that's the reason for being in many, many instances. So we've got to find a way to, um, for the firms that struggled through, because a lot of them weren't able to access JobKeeper, mind yeah, you, right. um, for a lot of the firms that we want to see rebuild, re-emerge, we want to see the green shoots in the sort of business ecosystem. Because, you know, there's no point talking about a big business and forgetting that they were once small. Yep. We've got to get them re replenishment. So I think we do need to have a smart restart. We need to look at the issues of capital and skill because capital was already getting tighter for a lot of firms, um, particularly in the tech sector beforehand. And they're still screaming for people with talent to get the things done within those firms. Those are the two headline issues and there are a stack of things in there I think we should be doing. It's an it's an opportunity. Essentially, Australia has a great opportunity right now to export technology, and that technology might not be physical. Yeah. Uh, it could be just simply code. I saw someone the other day just talking about how we can export lines of code in an instant. And when you yeah. have a country like Australia that has such a great um, system, uh, both yep. uh, medical, uh, economical, everything, what a great place to live, what a great place to be, and and essentially just let's just stay here. Let's keep the borders closed and let's just export code and, co and, and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Because that's, the, that's yeah. our advantage right now. Well, I think the borders, uh, to your point, they're going to be remaining closed for a while internationally. Yeah. So we do need to think of a way that we can connect globally and you know, make a buck out of it for the, for the better, betterment of the nation and also for the people who um, benefit from the, you know, the export itself at the other end. So, yeah, I think that's going to have to happen. But um, we do need to see uh, some things move. And I do think we need to have a push made like a you know this is not going to be a cost it's going to be an investment in new firms and yeah. it's weird that a, a labor mp champions entrepreneurship but my reckoning or my reasoning is very 
uh, and bluntly simple. And that is, you're not going to get jobs if you don't have firms. Mm. And the type of jobs we need in these new firms are the ones that are likely to last longer term, high skill, high value, um, making sure that we have that growth happening and the economy's moving again, and that those small firms actually help larger firms to work much more efficiently. In my thinking, that's really critical. So we, you know, in the short term, I think I've seen in the startup community talk about bringing forward the R&D tax incentive um, claims from next year to this year to yeah. give them a, a push along. Adir Schiffman has been pushing that idea. Tick, I think well, they did that, that should with, definitely they happen. They did, did that with the private schools. They brought forward uh, a planned funding there and, and just essentially yeah. paid it early. Why not do it for other forms of, uh, of investment and, and government investment yeah, yeah, totally. in, in business? It's so okay. I think that has... and, and it's okay for, for a Labor MP to talk about entrepreneurship. I mean, a coalition government has put us into huge debt, so it evens out, right? But listen... <laughs> the tables have been reversed. The, the roles have been reversed. The, I, I can't not ask you about the NBN, okay? So um, I think you well know my position on the NBN. And I, oh, yeah. I... We've, you and I have had very, very colourful and, and very uh, energetic conversations about this. Why are you not on Twitter anymore? Are you not on Twitter anymore? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave that. But here's the thing, right? Future. Haven't of regretted work. the day since that uh, yeah, day in yeah. 2017. Yeah, I probably should do the same, to be honest. Um, future of work was your was your job there for a bit, right? So think about the future of work. It wouldn't exist. This whole pandemic couldn't have it couldn't have happened as as seamlessly for Australian schooling and working from home if it wasn't for the NBN. So I think I'm just going to say that, and I don't think you can argue it. But my point is, what do we do next? Okay, and what should we be agitating for? And I'll be clear, and I've said this on, on LinkedIn, Laurie Patton's a goose, and I don't want him responsible for any lobbying. Let me lobby um, the agitation. Let me start the agitation on the NBN. We need a plan for the upgrade of the fibre-to-the-node network. I don't care if it's a 10-year yeah. plan. I just want to know a plan. I just want to know what's next. What is your vision for that For that kind of agitation, for that next step plan, for those people who can't get the 250 meg that I just upgraded to because I'm, I'm on HFC? Um, you know, you're 200 metres from the node, 900 metres from the node. You ain't getting 200. I, I think, um, uh, okay, so you and I have had big blues over this in the times past. A lot of my concern has been the reliance on very old tech you know, HFC, which, you know, as much as you try and upgrade it, you're still going to have problems. And I've got people in my area that are still dependent on it. Um, and, you know, they, they are not fans of it. So the point, so instead of us disagreeing, let's move to the point where you and I agree. Yep. And where you and I agree is we have to have that plan, like you rightly expressed, of, you know, fibre to the node or, in some cases, fibre to the driveway. There, there are some, you know, extensions of that you've seen tested in different parts of the country. And we do need to have a longer-term investment plan because once the notional plan finishes, which is supposed to be this year or next year, yep. I think it's next year largely, um, that's not going to be the end of the job. No. There's still been communities that expect better. So, uh, uh, and I know as much as you're saying, you know, that a lot of people got through with the MBN, there are a lot of other areas that didn't necessarily feel it in that way. Um, and uh, they will want a better quality network. And the other thing that is not mentioned here is 5G, like that will have an impact in some places uh, as well, though the, the, the cost of the data, you know, relative yeah. between the land, land and, and um, I think Stuart uh, wireless. Can, uh, can attest to the cost of the data, can he? <laughs> okay, be good, Ed. Don't say anything, Ed. <laughs> be good, Ed. <laughs> 
Anyhow, I think your point is right. We do need to have a longer-term investment yep. plan of upgrading, going back in. Um, and the other thing is too, can I tell you, there are parts of Sydney, and I'm not going to name the carriers, but like there are parts of Sydney when the network goes out because um, someone, like let's, this is, you know, you will roll your eyes when I tell you this, contractors who still dig up cables, mm. don't do the dial before you dig. Yeah. They cut up a cable and communities in my area being without internet for two months two months yeah it's crazy and and we've got to find a better way it's all well um, to give them a 4g modem as a backup and, and get them through but it just shouldn't happen so well I'll mate be... they don't even do that sometimes i've got to tell you they don't even do that sometimes I think, and i think the fundamental and, and i think we've got to find ways of fixing those things up black spot issues from time to time too in the end though i, I genuinely think that the basic conversation that needs to happen today is a, just a small agitation, you know, it's just that general, okay, great work, well done, you're getting to completion, you're about to announce it's, you know, hit all the homes or whatever, what next? That's all. Like, not banging on the door kind of what next, just let's let's help work together on a plan. Let's determine what, what are the most needy people and those kind of conversations. And I think that's in the spirit of the COVID method, let's use that method for the next step of MBN, which hopefully doesn't require any government money. It's just a matter of ensuring that a government entity, the NBN, properly allocates its resources and, and future targeting um, to the lowest end of the speed spectrum uh, as opposed to the highest revenue. Yeah, sure. But, but I think there will still be, well, so a number of things in terms of what you've said, right? So while we agree that there's a common sense, you know, um, reasoning that we go, okay, let's look at what next. Let's look at how we then do the like uh, re, not a refit, but an upgrade for those areas that didn't necessarily get yep. fibre rolled out to them in the way that others did. Like, how do we do that? Yep. That that as much as that's common sense, that's still going to be an area where there'll be dispute difference because as much as and we did have a policy, mind you, into the 2016 election, Trev, of doing just that, of saying that Infrastructure Australia, as an independent body, um, should make the assessment. So it's out of the hands of politicians, okay. and people can have faith about the way the decisions are being made. Um, and then to work out how to do it. Now, obviously, things have moved on, but I think uh, that can be, in light of the conversation you and I are having, that definitely can be, that approach can be dusted off and looked to be applied, and the parties, political parties, should apply common sense and say, okay, where do we go next? Um, and, you know, uh, we, we take it from there. I mean, I did, I did have a bit of a smile to myself the other day when I saw how there was a suggestion that, uh, yeah, the MBN be sold to Telstra. It was in the fin last week. I think Telstra have like, given and taken and given and taken enough taxpayers' dollars. Let's not give them the MBN. Well, I was just going to say the whole reason, and again, I'm very conscious of you and I entering into a field we might have dispute, but the whole reason for the MBN is that it's because Telstra, Telstra didn't invest in the bush. Oh, I'm, I, is it okay for a grown man to cry on your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> There was... That's exactly it. No, no, That's hey, exactly... we're and, aligned on that. And I'm not bagging out Telstra. I'm not bagging out Telstra. Some of my best friends work at Telstra. I we're... like Telstra. Ed, but I think, you, I the think history... you've got to remember we're aligned on nearly everything. In fact, it, mm. it, it worries me that, that – that, or I'm, in fact, I'm just glad you're not my my electorate because I might vote for you. Like that's that that's how nervously close we are aligned on things because I believe fibre to the premise was the best idea. Absolutely. 
but it was just mm. never going to happen at the right amount of money and the Australian public voted that they didn't think we should spend that much money and we needed a different solution. Full stop, done, finished. Well, but Okay, okay, okay. Just hang on a second. I don't think they voted necessarily <laughs> oh, they on did. the NBN. <laughs> the NBN was, was very popular, but I think the way that we managed ourselves between Ed, 2010 and 2013 was It would never have been unpopular. finished by now. It would never have been finished by now. Yeah, no, I don't agree with that. Look, fibre fiber to you every would single well know. home Hang on a by second. now. Come on. Hang on a second. You very well know that the rollout process for fibre, mm. in most places where it happens, it takes a long time to start. Mm. Once it commences, it starts humming. The logistics work themselves out, the materials, the crews, we'll all that type know. of stuff. We'll never know. True. Okay, that's what we can agree on. Yeah, I mean, that's, the, that's why it's not worth arguing. And that's why it's worth talking about what's next and making sure that the bush is protected and the people that the furthest end of the nodes are, are covered in the, in the next step of the MBM because those are the things that an independent, or sorry, commercial-driven uh, entity like Telstra wouldn't do because there's no money in it for them because there's no guarantee no, that they right. are going to upgrade to the 100 plan if, even if it's given to them. So, and that's why, and that's why I just I, I couldn't believe like that people. I often find this in public life. You know, the number of times an idea comes up and you go, "Oh, hang on a second, that was actually thought of and no one acted on it way back when." And in this case, the NBN emerged because Telstra wouldn't do the right thing way back when, in the days of those three amigos that were in there under Sol Trujillo. Um, and it, it's just, you know, case in point. By the way, I think you're too harsh on Laurie Patton. I know you guys have your blues, what? But you need it. I think you need agitators. When you said agitator early, that's the first name that came to mind. I thought, do not tell me. No, okay, I'm just, I just need to breathe. Okay, I just need to breathe. Okay, because uh, otherwise I'll cry. Okay, so okay. we'll okay. have to reconvene at another time to discuss that. Um, no Ed, problem. It's wonderful catching up. Um, uh, I'm I have great respect for the work that you do and the Thanks, gusto for which you give your local electorate and the Australian people, and I respect you for that. And genuinely, I respect the the entire parliament for the way the last couple of months has been handled. It's it's fantastic for all Aussies to see. Thanks for your time, mate. Good on you, mate. Love your work. EFTM. You're listening to the EFTM podcast. EFTM. And if you've got a question about technology, anything happening uh, in the world of tech, get in touch. Uh, happy to help wherever I can. And uh, Frank's on the line. G'day, mate. Uh, g'day, Trev. Trev, um, I just want to ask you, mate, if you can uh, recommend a uh, dash cam that uh, alerts me uh, regarding, uh, you know, like speed cameras and so forth, please. Frank, have you been caught out? Uh, unfortunately, yes. First time in 53 years, mate. Bloody hell. And what are you driving, mate? What do you got? A Merc. Beautiful, but uh, yeah, not uh, it's not alerting you. So hang on, how old's the Merc? Oh, it's only got 27,000 Ks on it. It's uh, nine years old. Oh, it's a classic. Um, yeah, so it probably doesn't have sat-nav <laughs> and all that kind of jazz built in, right? Because even, no, my, even my Kia Carnival's beeping at me when there's a speed camera coming up. Yeah, yeah, no, no, um, this one... Look, look the, the simplest way to go here is, is probably just a good... Because if that's... Like, a dash cam can... can you, may, you can spend 900 on a dash cam, but you can also spend 99. Um, you know, obviously, the big difference there is is video quality, right? So yes. the quality of a video dash cam can vary just ridiculously on, uh, on, on different products. But oh. there's actually um, Laser, the company that makes super affordable technology, um, have a couple of brands. If you go to Big W, I think theirs is called uh, Navigator. 
um, with right. an eight with a number eight in it, where it should say ATE Navigator, um, sure. and and then just laser laser dash cams, and they are literally uh, between one hundred and two hundred dollars. They're excellent. Beautiful. Um, and and essentially that's all you need because you want the they've got this kind of speed uh, alert system built into them. Um, they've got this little camera that'll beep, it'll show the speed. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you don't need to spend big bucks for that feature is, is what I'm telling you. So, um, Thanks, Trevor. Pretty sure you can get away with that. If you go to laserco.com.au, you'll find a whole range of them there under dash cams. Um, the one that they, they've got one, it says GPS and map display. That's that's a cracker there, about 150 bucks. Oh, that's great, mate. Thanks, Trevor. No more speeding fines, Frank. Thank you very much, Mark. Have a good day. Good on you, mate, and uh, thanks for getting in touch. You got a question? Go to EFTM.com. Got a question? Uh, get in touch. Just go to the website, EFTM.com, uh, as did Dean. G'day, mate. Hi, how are you, Trevor? Yeah, real good. What can I do for you? Uh, I've got a question around a Panasonic Smart TV mm-hmm. and if it's possible to get some of the new streaming apps on there, KO and Binge and those types of apps in, on the on the device without having to use a Google Chrome or something like that. Yeah, unfortunately, most smart TVs are very stuck in their ways, shall we say. Um, I'm yep. assuming it's not an Android TV, right? It's Correct. It's, yeah, it's Panasonic's own operating system. So the bigger, bigger problem is, you know, Panasonic not exactly, you know, hitting big runs anymore. Here, uh, so not exactly developing for Australia, let alone anywhere. So you do need another box. I mean, it's, that TV is as smart as it's going to get. Let's put it right. that way, right? So it's you know it's great that it's got Netflix and Stan and Amazon, but I mean you're never going to get binge. You're not going to get Ko. You're not getting Disney, and who else knows what else is going to come? Yeah, um, yeah. So what? I mean, it's 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 a pain because you kind of need to split yourself and and say, well, I've got Netflix there and Stan over there, but you know, you can actually just go all in on another box. So if you're a Telstra customer, get a Telstra TV box. Um, right. Fed's okay. box doesn't currently have Disney, but it will soon. Um, you know, most little set-top boxes uh, are more updatable and upgradable than TV. So like an Android TV box will give you the power of, of all the Android apps. Uh, and, and basically what you do is you plug it in HDMI 1, and that's all, all you ever use. So I've got a... So Fed's, you can get free-to-air through them as well? Yeah. But the other thing is, you can, you can, I mean, is it is it a, who's using the TV? Is it you and your missus? What 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 sort yep. of? Oh yeah, it's a bit of a combination, a sort of family room. So it's used by pretty much most people in the family. I've found that even well, maybe my kids are smarter than than I take them to be, but I only need to show them once where to get something. So for example, we don't we've got a high sense TV. Before that, we had a Samsung that doesn't have Apple TV built in, and so if we wanted to use the Apple TV concept, whether it was to stream an Apple TV Plus show or to AirPlay, I'd have to show them how to, you know, bring up the soundbar, then the input, and then the the Apple TV box. Because, mate, I've got so many HDMI inputs, no TV's enough, right? Right. What else have you got plugged into the TV? Uh, soundbar, um, and that's about it. Yeah, so you've got you've got a spare HDMI. Basically, yeah. no one's no one's process needs to change for Netflix, for Stan, for Amazon Prime, for watching free to air TV. But plug the new box in, whatever it is you end up getting. Um, I'm trying to think of best example other than Telstra TV that has them all. Really, a Roku box, an Android TV box. Um, that then, if you need Disney, okay, kids, you press HDMI two, and then you turn this box on over here. It's got a separate remote. 
So okay. you're basically upgrading the TV without having to buy a new TV because the panel works fine. And um, do they stream in 4K or is it HD? Most of them will stream in 4K, yeah. But again, it's something to check on each one of them because, you know, some of them are limited to um, to, to HD. So a fetch box, for example, will, will stream in 4K. Uh, Telstra TV, it's a great question. Telstra TV, I don't know off the top of my head, but it wouldn't take long to find out. Um, and a good quality Android box will definitely stream in 4K. Okay. And they're all sort of about the same price and well, functionality. It's all pretty easy to use type thing. Are you a Telstra customer? Yes. Mate, just get the Telstra TV. Like it's, okay. nine, it's nine bucks a month. They'll probably give it to you for free if you, you know, commit to another year or something. Um, and very easy to use. Tiny little remote, really easy to use. And anything else shouldn't cost more than 200 bucks. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, that's great. Enjoy Disney Plus, KO, Apple TV. Oh, it's actually, now just think about it. They're everywhere. How, how important is Apple TV? Not very. Okay, because yeah, Telstra TV won't have that. Yeah, uh, no, I don't really use that. It's mostly Netflix, and I'm just tossing up whether to. Uh, are you an not... Apple? Do you have Apple devices? Yes, yes. I, I wouldn't rule out just getting an Apple TV. Okay. Because that box, hyper upgradable. Like they're they're not mucking around with those things. Um, you know, so many apps on those things. Most people, when they release an app like Binge, it's already on Apple TV. Um, right. Yeah, I wouldn't rule out getting the Apple TV box over and above the Telstra TV just for just for AirPlay from your phone, let alone just Apple TV yeah, as a right. service. Yeah, I'm looking at scaling back from Foxtel back to KO and Binge and other things for Mate, value yeah, for money. The KO and Binge are both on the Apple TV. Quality is excellent. If you buy the 4K one, it's HDR. It's really good quality. So even the next TV you buy, you'll get the most from, from, from the box. Right, okay. All right, mate, good luck. Excellent. Thank you very much no for your help. No worries at all. Thanks for getting in touch. Got a question? Go to the website, EFTM.com. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. Great to have your company. Thanks for listening. And as always, get in touch anytime you want. Just go to the website, EFTM.com. Now, I don't know about you, but I think online retailing has changed forever. Literally. the I don't know that anyone could have predicted what's happened in the last few months Forget COVID. I'm talking just generally about the change in how we do things. Even my wife is on board. And I'm not talking about everyday shopping. I'm talking, we've done Woolworths shopping. We've done Harris Farm. We're doing it all now. It's just coming to the door because, hello, convenient. And one man that's laughing in his boots right now because he would think that I would be all over this is Ruslan Kogan from Kogan.com. G'day, mate. How are you? Good, Trevor. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's a bit sad that it's uh, taken a pandemic for Australia, let alone the world, to realise online shopping is actually really convenient. Yeah, definitely. You know, we've been talking about it since 2006, and you know, I've even uh, had battles and arguments with some of Australia's business leaders in the media about it. And uh, back then, everyone was saying, oh, online retail is a waste of time. It's never going to work. It's not real retail. It'll never be significant. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were in the media saying the opposite. So, yes, it, it, it's good to see what, you know, our company's position has been vindicated. But, yeah, it's a little bit sad that it's taken a pandemic for everyone to realise the benefits. But, um, you know, it's we believe it was always going to be inevitable. What yeah. this has done is it, it's accelerated e-commerce by a few years within the space of a few months. But in terms of what's 2030 going to look like, that hasn't changed. It'll be, it'll be where it was. It's just 
more people are, are coming on board earlier. You're a public company now. There's there's certain things you can do and say, but what can you tell me in terms of giving me a sense and, and my listeners a sense of just how rapid the change has been, the, the, the change, the growth, the, the number of whether it's hits customers, what, what kind of metrics do you have that you can share publicly about just how big a change there's been? Yeah, so one of the most interesting metrics that we've uh, released was that in March, we had a record number of new customers. Right. And that was around 60,000 new customers in March. Now, in April, we reported that it was another record month and not only was it a record, we more than doubled the previous record. So we had over 130,000 new customers. So I think that in and of itself is a very interesting metric because it's showing that people who typically didn't shop online before were starting to shop online. Mm. And I think that that's one of the biggest drivers of what we see going on. Yes, there's people like you and I that had always been shopping online and obviously Mm. we're doing it a bit more in this environment. But the real game changer is the people who never used to shop online all of a sudden started shopping online. And now we're seeing those customers do their second, third, fourth purchase. And these are people who previously would go to their local shopping center whenever they needed to buy something, all of a sudden they make a purchase online. They realize, hang on a sec, that was really convenient. I got to do really easy research. I didn't have a salesperson in my ear. I got to compare prices. I got to read reviews. And then I clicked a few buttons and the item arrived at my door the next day. (laughs) And, you know, they do that once, then they do that twice. And then uh, chances are you'll never see them in your local shopping center again. So that's one of the things that we've seen uh, happen a lot as a trend. As a higher level trend, uh, we've reported uh, that our sales are pretty much double year on year. And, um, you know, we're, we're gaining market share at the same time. So the wider market hasn't been that high for online retail, but um, you know, that, that's a good indicator of the trend. You're saying, you're seeing some stores that, used to never focus on their online sales, report even crazier numbers than that. You know, there's some stores that are saying they've tripled their online sales. Yeah, so, I guess it's easy for, for those companies that really never did it to to benefit from this 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 moment by reporting amazing numbers because obviously they weren't doing it much at all. But what really matters is for a company like you, now you've we've had conversations over the last few months about different things. And, and one of the things I remember you saying to me was along the lines of you'll, you're, you're ready for this. Not that you were prepared for it, but you're ready for this. Your business, the way you do logistics was always ready for increases, whereas others have had to scale their business. And also, let's be clear, a lot of bricks and mortar retailers love them. I mean, I go still to the big stores. Um, that They actually use their stores as a fulfillment uh, center, whereas you're entirely online. There's a big difference between those two models, isn't there? Yeah, there is definitely. And look, uh Nobody could have expected this pandemic, but we did know where online retail is heading and we did know that it was going to be really big. So we have been building out our logistics and fulfillment capabilities for a while. Um, And it came to really good use in this scenario because we've got 13 distribution centers around Australia. So when you buy an item on Kogan.com, chances are it's located pretty close to you which means the item has to travel less. It means our logistics costs are smaller and you get the item quicker and cheaper. So everyone's a winner. Uh, So 
we weren't expecting for it all to be at full capacity quite this quickly. Uh, but, um, you know, so the change in shopping behaviour helped. Now, there's been a lot of businesses scrambling to be able to meet the demand of online retail because mm. uh, keeping uh, shop shelves stocked or running a distribution centre are two completely different logistics models. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it's been... It's been challenging for a lot of uh, retailers that are typically bricks and mortar retailers. And, and, and logistics, often... is a, logistics is a really interesting word, isn't it? Because you, you live and breathe it. But we are average people. The best experience in logistics we've all experienced is toilet paper. Um, a rush on toilet paper meant stocks were empty. And it took, let's be clear, it took a couple of months for them to fix that. And that actually wasn't a demand thing. That was just getting the factory to turn it around, getting it into their supply chain, getting it into the, the, their distribution centers, getting it out to the stores. It's actually quite a detailed process. But I don't think any of us really understood how difficult that would be. Yeah, it is. You know, logistics is one of our most essential industries. Like anything you look at, whether it's, you know, the communications equipment we're using right now or the food that we eat or the medicine we take or, you know, anything, there's a huge logistics operation behind it to make it happen. And logistics for e-commerce is one of the biggest parts of our business. It's something uh, that uh, is a huge challenge for online retailers, especially the cost element of it. You know, sometimes... Uh, I go to my parents' place and I'll see that they've been to Costco and they bought a whole heap of something, mm. you know, I don't know, like pickles. Like they've bought a box of 20 jars of pickles from Costco because it was a really <laughs> good price. All right. Interesting and, insight. Yes, go on. And I'll explain to my mum how jealous I am of that model because what essentially happened is my parents drove to Costco they walked up and down the aisles and did the pick and pack themselves. <laughs> then they took it to the counter. Then they took it to the car. They did the last mile logistics by themselves. And now they're doing the warehouse function for Costco as well. So, <laughs> so I, you know, I try and explain to them that, you know, how, you know, you've got this house. Think about the per square meter cost in this area. And think about how much you've just given to Costco. So, uh, and, but people don't think like that. Whereas all of those costs in e-commerce and online, they're costs that the online store has to bear. So for us, we're trying to do all of that as efficiently as possible. Store the item, get it delivered, get it pick and packed. And uh, we know that the moment we don't do it efficiently and we're a little bit more expensive than someone else, the shopper will go elsewhere. So it's all critical pieces of the puzzle. When I mentioned the toilet paper rush, and I don't know about you, but I look back on that moment when you shared a photo of your uh, electronic toilet seat with Bidet um, as a bit of a fun, bit of a joke, and I posted it on EFTM, and I thought it was interesting. I talked about it on the radio, and actually uh, it was quite prophetic because in the end we did have a huge logistics problem with toilet paper. You did, I think, sell out of those things. Uh, did that genuinely surprise you that that thing sold? And over the course of the last, let's say, two months, given Kogan.com is is renowned as a TV um, online retailer with millions of other products, what has surprised you most uh, in terms of product categories? 
Yeah, so those um, toilet seats, they were an interesting one. I, I was in Japan a couple of years ago, and those seats are everywhere. And, Every hotel. Um, yeah, and at, the, at first you think like, oh, that's weird. And then, and then you get back to Australia and you're like, how primitive are we here? Um, you know, like what's happened to our innovation cycle with toilet seats? So that was the time at which I, I told our team, I'm like, hey, these are great products. You should, you should get them. And yes, we, we had them and we sold a few. But then obviously once there was that toilet paper shortage, it went absolutely nuts. I could not have predicted it. And um, it was our top selling product. Uh, you know, the week that uh, toilet paper started selling out. So that was pretty crazy. And in terms of surprising products, you know, at the start, it, it was the usual suspects. Yeah. So when uh, we went into lockdown, it was the computer desks and laptops and monitors and, uh, you know, all, all of those sort of things and sporting equipment and uh, then it started to move into everything for the kitchen because I think people realize that they're not going to be going out anymore and use this time to cook more at home. So bread makers, rice cookers, baking tins and so on. And th- but then it very quickly just got into everything. And I saw a report recently that showed there was a spike in luggage sales. Right. And because we're all, we're I, all thinking th- about the next step. What's next? Yeah, either that or people are now going, oh, shit, I've got all this toilet paper. Where am I going to store it? <laughs> um, you know, so, so they're buying storage for their toilet paper. I don't know because it's like I can't see us flying anywhere anytime soon. No, I genuinely um, – I mean, you, you travel uh, more than me, uh, maybe. I don't know, actually. Um, but I don't think I do. <laughs> see. Seeing your Twitter is, is like, you know, a new flight. It's like, well, has that last flight landed already? Is it taking off again? <laughs> but just forget domestically because I'm going to jump on the bandwagon. As soon as I can fly everywhere, I'm going to go everywhere. But genuinely, when do you think you'll go overseas again? It's such a fast-moving and evolving scenario at the moment that it, it's too hard to tell. I don't know. Like, the predictions that I'm hearing out there is saying, 12 to 18 months, there will be no international travel. Yeah. But then I read an article this morning saying Greece welcomes all Australians. <laughs> I looked at that and I thought they actually do have a very low rate like us, um, but you've got to go through some places to get to Greece. So I'm not sure that that works viably for me. What about CES? That's in January. Would you go to CES? Yes. Look, I, I, I'd have to look at what the world looks like at that point. Yeah. Like CES is obviously... Uh, a great time of year because all the like-minded people of the tech industry gather in the one spot and, you know, you get to catch up with a lot of people and uh, talk tech for a week. So we love it there. But, yeah, it's just think about how much the world has changed in the last two months and then, you know, that's still more than six months away. So who knows what the world will look like then. Well, just finally, what what are you you crystal balling over the next six months then? What is the business doing to... To forecast, because you do kind of need to need to try and second guess what's next. Uh, what what do you see as the next couple of hot products then at Kogan.com? Well, in terms of hot products, there's obviously the evolution and cycles happening with uh, LED TVs, and you know the smart TV functionality getting better and streaming getting better and the panels, um, you know, getting better and crisper and 8K is going to be a thing. 
very soon, you know. And as always, the actual TVs, uh, the innovation happens faster than the content. So we'll have 8K TVs with nothing to show on them in 8K. And then uh, very quickly, don't be surprised if you're streaming Netflix in 8K very soon. Mm, okay. um, so, you know, the, we will see we will see that. We'll obviously see 5G in uh, mobile telephony and that's starting to become the norm, which then will open up a whole heap of opportunity for, you know, app developers and service providers that say, hey, we've got so much more bandwidth. Uh, Here's the new killer app. And the exciting thing about the technology industry is that we usually get the technology first and then work out how to use it much later. (laughs) So like GPS was around for 30 or 40 years before uh, the first GPS units were invented for the car. Like Mm. we had broadcast television for a decade before they realized that when they film a new segment, it doesn't have to be uh, someone reading it out into down the barrel of the camera like they did in the radio days that they can cut away to all sort of different scenes. We had the uh, mobile phones with uh, location data for a decade before places or apps realized that we can let people check into locations. So we're going to have that very exciting wave of 5G and all of the killer apps that come with it. So that's, that's pretty exciting. And from our perspective, we're excited at the fact that finally people are realizing that online shopping is real and it's here to stay and it's an industry we need to keep investing in and making it better and better because it it's convenient for a lot of people i speak for everyone i say i'm disappointed you didn't say i don't know a smart shower head or something like that i mean come on let's get a smart google (laughs) assistant shower head so i can just walk in and say hey google turn on the shower to my temperature come on get on it yeah there's like, look, and you'd know from CES, like you walk around, okay, there's, so many, there's a smart product for everything. Yes, and yeah. it's some of them, I think, are a bit overdone. It's like, really, you need a smart version of that? But look, t- time will tell, I guess. Put the products out there and let people decide. Rosalind Kogan, congratulations on a, on a very solid few months, not because of COVID-19, but because you, you had a business that was ready and uh, and able to cope. And I'm sure it'll uh, continue long into the future. Here to, here's to 2030, as you say. Thanks, Trevor. Always a pleasure to chat. This is the EFTM podcast. EFTM. Get in touch if you've got a question about technology or anything in uh, in your world that you think I might be able to help with, EFTM.com. David's on the line. G'day, mate. Yeah, good morning. What can I do for you, buddy? Yeah, look, I just had a question. So in relation to internet, there seems to be some disparity between speed and the actual what you're getting delivered. Yeah. So having some trouble with NBN at the moment where speeds appear to be okay when you do a test, but, you know, web pages and uh, that just hang. And, you know, you look at a little circle of death going round, around, around. Mm. Um, and everyone says, oh, do a speed test and it appears okay. But you know that there's obviously something wrong. Yeah, right. So I just wondering whether there's a better way to, to test internet. And, Who are you with? Uh, Telstra. And what speed plan are you on? On the 50 NBN and, plan. And what speed do you think you're getting when you do speed tests? Well, using their speed test, anywhere between 43 and 35, depending on time of day. Okay. And when you do those tests, are you just are you really close to the modem, plugged into the modem, or are you a bit of a way away? Yeah, I do test both wirelessly and via okay. uh, Ethernet, so with the plugged-in um, 
computers. So first and foremost, um, you know, it's kind of like a trial and error kind of thing to try and work out where that failure is when you're getting those you know hang times. Um, yeah. What, what what I would suggest is don't use the Telstra speed test service. The only reason so I'm with Aussie Broadband, I use their speed test Aussie Broadband's you know web page. It's only for Aussie Broadband customers now and then because I want to see what what my connection to Aussie Broadband is. That speed is really testing your actual link to the internet. But if you were to go to speedtest.net, then what you can do is you can select a different server. And so you can choose any server, pretty much anywhere in the world. Um, and you'll you'll soon see if you muck around with it, that the speeds of the internet are bottlenecked everywhere. Like there's a bottleneck across the Pacific Ocean. There's a bottleneck in, into Europe. Because the traffic, that you, the, the speed of your internet to the network might be 45. But, mate, if you're downloading a web page that's on a really crappy server, then it's going to be slow. But if you're having it consistently, it's less likely to be the other side of the network. It's probably more likely to be an issue at your home. So, for example, what I would want to know is, if you're sitting plugged in, on a computer plugged into that modem, do you ever get the hang time? Do you ever get the load speed issues? Yeah, I do. So, you know, sometimes I go from the wireless device and go to the computer. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I get that. And just so you know, I'm on uh, uh, HFC, so yep. not on uh, uh, fibre yep. or... I'm, um, on the, I'm on the same, no, yep. Yeah. And are you, so, on, a, are you on a contract and, with Telstra? No, I'm not. And and what's what I find most interesting, and this is what I, I don't understand the technicality behind it, was with Telstra Cable for three years prior to moving to NBN, never had any of these issues. Yeah. So visiting all the same websites, doing all the same stuff yeah. that I normally do. Um, as soon as I switched to cable, uh, from cable to, NBN, to yeah. NBN through Telstra, have all these problems, internet dropping out, having to reset modems, web pages hanging, yep. things not loading, speed fluctuations. So, yeah, so it's not what I'm doing. It's obviously, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the reason I, <coughs> excuse me, the reason I ask who you're with is because, frankly, the telcos are all different but it's one NBN. And the challenge is finding the finger, pointing the finger at the right person to blame. Now, it could well be that the Telstra modem is, is struggling to, to correctly operate on the, on the HFC NBN. Now, whether that's a configuration problem at the modem at their end or what, we don't know. But I would absolutely challenge you to change providers. Not because I hate Telstra, just because yeah. what we'll find out real quick is whose problem it is because mate I'm with Aussie Broad for example I'm part of those you know those local community Facebook groups where everyone whinges about you know things going wrong in the community and yeah. someone leaving a trolley on the <laughs> yeah. footpath or whatever um, yep. I I don't normally engage but I love to watch what people are saying and people go oh this internet providers we're all on the same we're all on the same HFC like our our community yeah. is such that it's it's kind of one road in one road out and so there is only yep. one cable coming into our community <laughs> and and yet that person's having a problem I'm not that person having a problem and so trust me internet provider makes a massive difference and I wonder whether it's, yeah. it's because of that now before you do that, you might want to take one more task with Telstra, and that is to say, listen, I've, if I'm on tech support to Telstra, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say, listen, I've, I've had this problem plugged into the modem and on Wi-Fi. I'd like you to replace me my modem and upgrade me to the very latest you've got so that it kind of rules that out if, if you wanted to as a final task before flicking them. Yeah, well, and I've, I've, I've done that basically. Um, I've been onto their support team for literally hours on end 
while they reset modems, you know. And I said, yep. I've done all that. You don't need to reset my modem. And then uh, resetting it back to factory defaults without telling me. So then I've got to go back through and reset everything up. Thank you yeah. very much, Delta Technician. Um, but, yeah, but, you know, they still start doing what they call their, their what needs to be the line test, I suppose. Yeah. Um, saying, oh, there's nothing wrong at that, that this end. Um, the other frustrating part is, you know, it comes with voice. Um, I've never been able to use the phone since I got it because as soon as I start a telephone call on the, on the what was it, the old landline, um, it, it, it goes into garbled nothing um, within the first 10 seconds of the call and I have to hang up. Yeah. Mate, it just shouldn't be happening. And, oh, and, I and, and And I know that you're feeling the worst because it worked and now it's the same bit of equipment coming into my house and it's called the MBN and it's crap. But yeah. my point that I'm, I guess, trying to get across is that if, if the HFC network was rubbish, there's about 2.3 to 3 million homes on it now connected to the MBN. Mate, they'd be marching in the streets. Oh, poor yeah, choice of words true. given what's going on in the world. But trust me, they'd be, <laughs> they'd be hell to pay, right? It, Yep. It is. It, it. I feel like it's most likely a telco issue. Now, the, now you've got two choices at the end of this call. One is you just bite the bullet and change carriers, or two, you go through a little bit more pain with Telstra, and I'm happy to make a representation on your behalf. If you want to get me, you know, case numbers or whatever it is you've got with, in terms of Telstra, I'm happy to send yep. send a note to my people at Telstra who will escalate it, hopefully up the tree a little bit, and say, listen, try and sort this out. But I do worry that's just going to be around and around in circles for another, you know, little while. When, um, in the end, uh, the best test is to change telcos. Yeah, and uh, look, I've almost got to that point now where, in fact, I looked at uh, Mate, my account it. today to see when it ends, um, so I can start the process. Ring, the, uh, ring so up, get... ring up Aussie Broadband today. All right. I'll do that, Trevor. I think and mate, uh... here's what I'll do for you, right? Here's what I'll do. If if you don't have a good experience with Aussie Broadband in in the first month of that time, hey, don't sign a contract with them at all. But I will <laughs> I will represent directly to the NBN and and to Aussie Broadband to ensure that whatever the heck's wrong, whether it's a bit of cable, whether it's a pipe, whether it's a something, it's fixed. Because if you've used two telcos, that's when I think you can go to the point of we we can then rule out everything else. Yeah. Yeah. We can rule out everything yep. except the core shared component, which is the NBN. Yep. All Sounds right? Good. All right, buddy. Let me All know right, how good. you go, buddy, and uh, get back in touch when you've done it. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, David. And uh, if you've got a question, a problem, whatever it is, uh, get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com. EFTM is the name of the show. Trevor Long's my name. Get in touch. Go to the website, EFTM.com, which is what Greg did. Go, Greg. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, real good. What can I do for you? Listen, I saw recently that tells or that the NBN Co. were going to take the brakes off all the fibre. Yeah. <clears throat> I've been lucky that I've got fibre to the premises. Oh, you lucky bugger. Yeah. Oh, mate. I, I loved it. However... I'm with Telstra, and I'm throttled down to buggery. Sorry. <laughs> any any clues on... So what speed tier are you on right now? Um, at the moment, I'm on 25. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that because you that, can't stump up for the for the higher speed, or like why, uh, why haven't you got the 100? Yeah, no. No, it was just that I, that was the one I selected at the time. You know, and however, I found that's not good with the amount of technology or the... Everyone's brought into the house. I want to stump up for the the, the moment to the hundred megabit. Yep. 
which will which will give you about you know they reckon about eighty eight. Yep. However, now you can get more. Picture, you can get a thousand now on uh, on fibre. But the problem is, mate, Telstra haven't announced plans. So that's what you, I want. That's, are you that's locked, why I did. Are you locked into Telstra? Uh no, mate. Not switch. at all. Just switch. Just call Aussie Broadband. They were the first to announce it. I haven't seen any others yet, but there might be others. But Aussie yeah. Broadband, mate, they will switch you in an instant. Oh, that's what I'd love to do. Absolutely. Mate, you know? I, I rank now. It, look, you know, you'd need to check about compatibility and modem and stuff like that to make sure you can actually use your existing gear. Yeah. Um, but worst case scenario, they send your modem and you and you got to install that one and you're a week out, right? But oh, that's, mate, nothing, that's nothing. I I rang on, where was it? Was it Saturday? Saturday night, I rang while I was driving to pick up the Thai that my wife had ordered. She ordered at a different restaurant, so I had to go to another place. I was in the car for an extra five minutes. And, mate, in the period I was on the phone in the car, I I talked to Aussie Broadband. They told me it was possible. I'd have it within 24 to 48 hours. I got home, did a speed test. I'd already been upgraded to 250. Oh, lovely. I would kill for something that speed, mate. It's it's, and you know what? I, I'll be honest. I noticed it immediately. I really did. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, just just open up web pages and things. It was just it was really really good. So look, if it's available, I would recommend it. And mate, you've just yeah. got to go. Look, Telstra have got a different business model. That they, they are they're they're more for the masses, and and the masses don't need more than fifty. Um. But yeah, for people right. like yeah. you, you and me, yeah. mate, switch to Aussie Broadband. You won't be disappointed, Greg. Mate. Thank you. That's exactly what I needed to know. You know, if Aussie Broadband have got it, I'll give them a call and see what they can, what I can do for them. Mate, you know? I, I want to hear from you when it's done, mate. Let me know what speed you're getting. I certainly will, mate. I'll let you know. Good on you, buddy. Thanks for getting in touch. That's right. Keep the podcast going. Love them. Lord on you, mate. I appreciate it. And uh, I will keep going with the podcast. That's what I've committed to do. If you've got a question, just go to the website, eftm.com. This is the EFTM podcast. Any question you've got about technology, jump on the website, eftm.com, and uh, I'll get in touch. G'day, Aaron. How are you going? Yeah, real good, mate. What can I do for you? Uh, I was just wondering about a uh, mobile phone. So I've got a, I've got a S Galaxy S8 at the moment, yep. and I'm... Um, I don't want to spend any more than five hundred. Right. So I was looking. I was looking at the new Oppo A ninety one, and I'm just wondering about the camera. Is it going to be comparable to this one, or? Oh, it's a good, good know, point. Look, Oppo make a great phone. They make a great camera. Um, S eight. You said you've got. Yes. I haven't. I haven't tested the ninety one specifically. I have tested yep. the A thirty one, which is Samsung's four hundred ninety nine dollar phone. Yeah. My only. Look, the only thing I'd say to you is going to an Oppo is something yep. I recommend to Apple users and first-time users because it's they, they do such a great great job with the operating system. They make it yep. very yep. easy. But you've got a Samsung. You know Android. You know how it yep. works. Mate, the Samsung Galaxy A31 yep. is an excellent phone with an excellent okay. camera, yep. probably on par, if not better, than the, the S8. Yeah. So... It's 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 the ecosystem. Like you're in it, you don't need to move. But yeah, yeah, that yeah, said, yeah, yeah. the whole point of being yeah. on Android is you don't need to stay on Samsung. You can't yeah. move to anyone. Yeah, so yeah. I don't think you'd be disappointed with the Oppo A91 at all. Um, yeah. You, just a little bit of learning to do on the operating system, but seriously, not much at all. It's still Google Play Store yeah. and everything. The other yeah, one to look yeah. at is the Vivo. Vivo yeah. over 499. I think it's called the X50. Um, okay. It's got a kind of a squared camera camera block in the middle on the back. Very, yep. very, very nice. 
Um, cool. And apart from that, mate, there's there's just so many phones under five hundred. So yeah, I know, I know. It's just it's like a minefield. You look on look on these websites and that, and they're just everyone's phone is the best. I just think that once that's... you once you get it, and I am leaning towards a Samsung just because they do make a great screen, let alone anything yeah. else. I think yeah. you'll get it out of the box. You'll use it, and you'll go, "This is ten times better than the S eight. Just for yeah. like just the screen alone, let alone the camera. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, buddy. All right. So uh, either one will work, but my, my gut would say Samsung A31. Okay, cool. Thanks for the information. Good on you, mate. Thanks for getting in touch, Thanks. Aaron. And if you've got a question about technology, just uh, go to the website, eftm.com. EFTM. You're listening to the EFTM podcast. EFTM. All right. Oof. I'm, uh, I'm exhausted. Um, welcome your feedback, too, on uh, show duration. Uh, I feel like I'm breaching the one hour regularly and could do so regularly. Oh, here's what I'm happy to do. Uh, I, I guess I'm in this group of, of two interviews and a bunch of calls. Um, I'm actually happy to do it twice a week. Two shorter shows. Would that be better? Two shorter shows. Now, in the end, I might end up making them longer because I'm just useless at controlling myself on time. But is it possible that would work better for you? I'm happy to do that. As long as the, the emails keep coming, the calls keep coming, and the ideas for interviews keep coming, i got no drama with that. So if you would be happy to hear a couple of shows a week, what about this two weeks ago I was saying, I don't know how often I do the show, uh, might be fortnightly. Um, anyway, um, my question is, would it be better to have multiple short episodes over a period of time, whether that's two weeks or one, or one long one over that two weeks or one? Do you know what I mean? Um, let me know what suits, and we'll uh, see what we can make work. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Back again next time on the EFTM Podcast. 